0: Recording. Okay. Hello, Andres. How are you? This is so nice to have you here. I am so excited. And this is my student, Andres perez Oderi He is studying at uh, Stanford University. He's one of my star students. And I'm very excited to have him as a guest today because he has a lot of information that can be very interesting for students in general. Hello, Andres. Welcome.
1: Hi, Diana. How are you? Thank you so much. It's a you know privilege to, to be here, and um, hopefully, you know, I can make this a little bit interesting and provide some some cool insights.
0: Oh, I'm sure you can, because you have such an interesting point of view on on education. On you know, uh, you're such a curious um, autodidact, and so there's you know a lot of information. which We don't have too long, but let's see what we can do. So All maybe right. if you can tell the audience a little bit about yourself so that they know, you know, where, you know, they know they're studying at Stanford, what are you studying, and, you know, um, uh, just a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, no, perfect. So, um, I grew up in Caracas. Um, I lived there for about 18 years. Um, Originally, I went to like a national high school, or a national school, better said, uh, which was Colegio Integral de la Avila. Um, It was a pretty much bilingual school, but it was obviously more heavily um, leaning on the Spanish side. And then for the last three years of high school, um, I switched to the British School of Caracas, where I did the IGCC and IB programs. um, After which I came to Stanford to study uh, something called Management Science and Engineering, which is kind of a unique Stanford major um, where it's kind of like a business degree coupled with an engineering degree. So it's pretty interesting. Um, and currently I am a senior, um, or rising senior and just, yeah, you know, getting ready to, to leave the nest.
0: <laughs> yes. I imagine that must be quite interesting how you feel, you know, being this your last year, getting ready to look at the, you know, the workforce and what you're going to do. So, um, but I'd just like to, to, rather than start first with what you're going to be doing next year, mm-hmm. we'll leave that for a later question. I, I do would like to ask you, you know, what do you remember most about your college years?
1: Yeah, and why? Um, I remember it being, so kind of starting from, I'll, I'll say it, I'll answer this question in sort of two answers. The first one mm-hmm. is kind of what I remember in my initial years and kind of like when I first got to, to college. And then kind of everything after that. Um, when, when I first got to college, I was very surprised at how things were done. Um, I went to a very small school, which was, you know, I had, what, maybe 12 people in my grade. Um, a lot of the classes I was either by myself or working with you know, two or three other people. So it was very directed. It was very personal. And it was very sort of kind of like an intense classroom setting. And I was very surprised when it came to Stanford where you're kind of, you know, just let roam free and allowed to kind of do what you want, which was something that I had always kind of done in in my high school years. Um, I'd always learned very independently. Um, But I was was definitely like pretty surprised on that and how much you had to rely on the people sort of next to you rather than the teachers per se. And then um after kind of, after kind of like the first year, and honestly like during the first year as well, I became like very in a way disappointed with the education. I felt that I wasn't learning enough if at all, and that the school wasn't giving me kind of what I wanted, and perhaps it's you know take this all with a grain of salt because perhaps it's my fault for maybe not engaging as much as I should have. Um, But the thing that I remember most kind of on that second half was spending a lot of time sort of just with my own hobbies, with my own interests, um, and just taking as little school as possible and trying to understand kind of what I really like to do and then learning about it on, on my own. In my own way. And
0: what what, what would you recommend? And it, I mean, excuse me for interrupting, but that, yeah. that's a really Im- Im- important point. But what mm-hmm. would you recommend to somebody who starts university and runs into that same kind of problem that from, from what I can understand is you, you didn't have enough of a challenge to yeah. uh, keep you going, to keep you interested, or I don't know whether it was maybe you know your advisor didn't uh tell you the right classes or mm-hmm. or what i don't really, we don't really know exactly what happened but what would you tell a freshman yeah. that might run into that problem well
1: i i kind of i don't think it was that it wasn't a challenge i think it was definitely a challenge i mean classes were, were really tough and it was obviously a lot of work i just i had mm-hmm. the realization and maybe the, the problem in a way that it just didn't really matter like what i was doing just didn't matter um you know Like, what does it matter to, you know, stay all night, like with a math problem set that you're just, you know, for what I want to do, it's just not going to use. But then I have to take this requirement in order to get my degree. Same with like, for example, Stanford does a lot of art classes or a lot of sort of creativity classes, which I think are great. But at the end of the day, it's not something that I would want to be firstly, uh, just spending so much on. And what I mean by spending is both, you know, time and money. Obviously, it's a very, expensive education Um, and you're spending, you know, four years um, of your, debatably like your prime, um, studying things that you may not want to learn. And for me, that that was very challenging to accept. Um, So what I would recommend to the incoming freshmen, and to the incoming freshmen, sorry. And what I've actually told them is take 12 units a quarter What I mean by 12 units a quarter is the minimum amount of units you can take um, in order to graduate and spend half your time doing things outside of school.
0: Um,
1: And in saying that, you know, everyone says like, oh, you know, why would you do that? Like, no one else is doing that. Like, what's the point? And, you know, it's kind of comes to the conclusion of don't be afraid to go against the tide. Because at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you happy rather than what everyone else is doing. Um, that's that's, so- a,
0: that's a, a, a very interesting point, because in a sense, also you say, okay, it's four years of your prime time. And, you know, it's important to get to know yourself so that you can mm-hmm. go into, you know, the, the workforce and, and do something that you're passionate about. That's, that's wow, I hadn't seen it that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I find it, and I was very much a victim of this, is um, people, I don't know if at other universities, but especially at Stanford, there's like a very high element of competition and everyone always wants to sort of do better than their peers. Um, And that translates to the workforce a lot. And what that causes is people trying to, you know, sort of like breaking their back, trying to get jobs that Goldman Sachs, um, you know, McKinsey, Bain, whatever, like all these like sort of prestigious firms um, in order to be able to say like, hey, you know, look at me, I work, you know, at X or Y. um, Therefore, I have achieved more than you have. And the problem is, is that you see a lot of these kids go into that, into like sort of the semblance of the workforce and they end up just not being happy. And, you know, they kind of get there and they say, oh, you know, this was the best place that, that I could have worked at. And every one of my friends was, was jealous of me of working here. Um, and the reality is, like, a lot of people just do it out of pressure. And they don't really spend the time in those four years to understand themselves, um, nor to understand kind of what they want to do. And by understanding yourself, I don't mean kind of like, you know, going partying or doing whatever. But it's more just like kind of really sitting down and thinking, okay, what do I wanna achieve? What do I wanna learn? And what makes me happy? And how can I make a career out of it?
0: Mm, Thank you very much for that. And I I think that for the freshmen, that's an important point because to be happy when you work is very, very important for sure.
1: Totally. Um,
0: So uh, another another question that I have for you is uh, who, who was your best or is your best teacher and and why
1: yeah so i had a professor for my entrepreneurship class which i really enjoyed um i didn't like his class and i actually told him um just because i'm, I'm not a big sort of like class guy um but i i really did sort of like enjoy um sort of hearing from him and i told him like hey um you know i, I am doing this thing and kind of have these ideas on, um, I'm not really like the type of guy that learns much from class, um, but I told totally him, you know, you're a person that I want to learn from, and he is really funny. So he like basically like almost like created, cr- like created a class for me and him, um, to like study and like for me to read a lot of the things that interested me and get units from it. Uh, units are like credits um, at Stanford. And it was a time It was really funny because I, I needed units in order to like keep my visa status because um, of something that happened with a couple other classes. And it ended up being one of my best classes, you know, and it, it shaped um, my career in a way. But I wouldn't say it's like, it's not a class that's advertised. It's not like, you know, a class you can just enroll in. So it was really fun.
0: So since you call, to call yourself an anti-student, so what you did with this professor is that you created your own your own curriculum in a sense if I understand correctly
1: yeah and that's something that um is actually so so that's a great point so that was just one class so I wouldn't say it's a curriculum per se but something that Stanford does allow you to do which honestly I would encourage a lot more people to do I didn't do it because honestly it just never crossed my mind um I kind of just had so much of a almost like disdain for the, for the classes I was taking and, and for what I was doing that I just kind of wanted to get it over with. But what Stanford allows you to do is create your own major. Um, and I think a few other schools allow you to do that as well. That's actually something I would tell the freshman to do because that in a way is of course, a, it's obviously a very risky thing to do and it's very, you need to be very responsible and very um, sort of self-driven, but you can create your own major. Um, of course it's a little bit difficult to explain kind of what you're doing in the case of a job interview which is in 99% of cases why people don't do it but I think if I if I could have done something differently it would have been that
0: Aha uh-huh. very interesting that because it's it's uh, you know something that I feel sometimes the universities don't advertise enough that you can create your own major and then go with what you you really are interested in, so good point. Good point for the <clears throat> excuse me for the freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And can you can you tell us a little bit uh, within Stanford what uh, are were or are uh, your favorite subjects?
1: Um, yeah, I think yeah, um, it's definitely. I think a little bit of a short list. Um, one of the things that I, I did enjoy and that I thought I wasn't going to love so much was computer science. Like, I, I absolutely loved it, but it was less because of what I was being taught. Like, you know, if you asked me to code now, I, I would be helpless, but what it did teach me is kind of like a way to solve problems and a way to build things. Um, And for me, that's always been, you know, I I love building. That's one of my passions. And um, in that sense, the way they teach you to solve problems is incredibly interesting. So they teach you to, and it's something that's easy to sort of tell someone, but it's very hard to internalize is kind of, you need to start solving a problem by kind of the ground floor and just trying to solve like the smallest part of it and then building up and persevering through that. Um, and I think that is one of the most important, if not the most important lesson um, that I've had at school. Oh,
0: wonderful. That's, that's- quite quite amazing and um what would you say to a graduating class
1: um that's a good point i I think um in a way it's almost similar to what i will tell the freshman and it's kind of probably say the best jobs are the ones that aren't advertised Mm -hmm. Um, and that goes both from a career perspective to a personal perspective um i think there's so much more opportunity in this world than what's kind of advertised and what's publicized. Um, and I would encourage people um, to go out and seek that. And of course, and what, this, oh, go ahead. Well, what,
0: what, what, sorry, I just, because if you're saying the best jobs aren't those that aren't are advertised and excuse me for interrupting mm-hmm. you, but what jobs are you talking about that you know about that aren't, yeah. aren't advertised but are very interesting?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, obviously kind of like, you know, me being kind of in the career stage that I am, I would say entrepreneurship is definitely the way to go, um, at least for for me personally. But to give you another sort of real life example, um, one of the best like experiences that I've had working for someone else is after I met someone at a parking lot, like literally a parking lot. Um, and this was a person that, you know, kind of we, we were just talking, I'm a huge car guy. And, you know, I, I walked up to my cars, I think I was getting a sweater or something. And, you know, this guy comes up to me, starts talking about my car with me. Um, then kind of a short conversation turns into a long conversation. And I end up going to sort of work for him for about six months uh, while I was in school. And he ended up being an incredibly influential hedge fund manager um, with whom I, I learned more than, you know, I've learned in, three or four years of college. Um, And that's something that's not advertised, right? And if I had been closed off to an an opportunity just because it wasn't kind of like the the typical thing to do, then I wouldn't have had that experience. So I would just say to the graduating class in that sense, kind of keep your eyes open. Um, Definitely don't close yourself off just because it doesn't seem like the typical thing to do or the typical place to work.
0: That's an amazing story. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for sharing that because it's true. Sometimes maybe, well, you know, uh, we might not feel very secure or might say, wow, this isn't really what they've told me that this is how I get a job or an internship or a learning experience. So yes, please you know, stay open. Very good. Very good. Um, so, uh, how do you see uh, education evolving in, in the future, uh, taking into account all the changes that we've been living in these past uh, six months?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's, if anything, it's going to accelerate some of the changes that I think are, like, were sort of on their way. Um, and by that, I mean, I think there is going to be a break in institutionalized learning, um, I think. There's a few cracks that are starting to show, especially during this pandemic, um, and I think the conclusion of that is going to be a lot more independent, independent teaching. Um, definitely a lot less structure. I would love to see sort of less structure in curriculum um, or sort of like graduation requirements at schools all around the globe, and a lot more sort of creation. Right, I think. One of the things that this pandemic has, has allowed for some people is to finally create things that they wanted to do, both for You know, and by creating. I mean, I don't mean anything physical, necessarily. I more mean, creating an opportunity or space or a time for themselves to pursue what they really want to do. And I think education has to follow, if not lead the way to, for that. Uh,
0: I think that's a very, very good point and a, and a very important one because I agree with you there 100%. I think education is, needs to go in a different direction, needs to open up to having more creative uh, curriculums, if we want to call it that way, or kids being able to uh, do much more in, in uh, creating their majors so that it's, it's more of the mainstream rather than an odd student here or there that, that creates his own, um, his own major. Exactly. So Thank you. Yeah. Uh, very fascinating. So, uh, a little bit more about yourself. What, what are the, your goals for the next five years?
1: Yeah. Um, that's, it's a great question. <laughs> that's, a, that's definitely a <laughs> tough question,
0: yes. you know,
1: um, especially, you know, at, at an early age, you kind of, your goal changes every five minutes. So it's
0: tough
1: to, <laughs> <laughs> to say, but one of the things that I've always been very passionate about is, is sort of building things that help people. Um, my, my way of doing that specifically, I think has, I've, I've realized that it's kind of through building companies, um, and building either products or organizations that help people. Um, and normally by, by helping people, I more mean kind of like allowing them to do something that they weren't able to do before, um, which, you know, not a, nine out of 10 times comes through the form of technology. So, you know, I would just love to be able to follow through with that mission um and in a way just kind of live a a happy life and be able to do what i want and pursue what i want and not having to be you know tied down because of something that i you know thought was way would go
0: interesting interesting well i really really hope that you you do achieve that and i think you're well on your way that you know how to go there now hopefully yeah, live these uh, three years in, in at Stanford and, and, you know, going on to pursue what you like. Um, mm-hmm. I also would like to ask you, what is the one personal habit that has contributed to your being successful in pursuing this, uh, in a sense, anti-student, uh, more towards what you want to do?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, success is, is definitely a matter of perspective. Um, I, you know, at least now, like definitely don't, don't view myself as being very successful. But I, I think one of the things that I have been able to achieve is perhaps a different mindset. Um, and I think something that's kind of helped me, um, do that and, and achieve that is I, I kind of have a knack for wanting to prove people wrong in a way I've always been, you know, tell me, I can't do something. <laughs> I'll try my hardest to, to do it. Um, it's kind of even more motivating for me. Um, so I think that in a way has taught me or, or at least shown me how to go against the tide in that sense.
0: That's, that's interesting to prove people wrong. I, I had never seen it that way, that, that if somebody says, no, no, I can't be done. and Yes, yes, I can do it. That's a very good thing to have. Excellent. Um, what are you most passionate about?
1: Um, well, you know as i said before one of one of my big sort of hobbies is is cars in a way Mm -hmm. and that's definitely Mm -hmm. something you know i spend a lot of time um at least around um but one of the things that really motivates me and really um makes me passionate is, is just building stuff generally um i remember you know even as a kid um my my favorite toys were legos and i would just spend you know hours at end just building and building. And it was something that just made me incredibly happy. And kind of when I, you know, when I grew up, I realized that the reason why I like building things isn't sort of the end product, it, you know, almost never is. It's more kind of, you know, the, the little steps and the little wins and the journey to that end goal that, that really motivate me. And I think that's one of my
0: big passions. That's very, very interesting. Thank you. Um, what is the most important lesson that life has taught you? Um, I think I've, I've definitely kind of lived
1: ai I wouldn't, I wouldn't perhaps say interesting life, but I would definitely say perhaps different life in, in many respects. And um, I would probably say whatever you do, do it intensely in a way, do it, you know, giving it your all. Um, and the, the sort of side note to that is for me, it tends to be kind of like what everyone else is doing, sort of try to do the opposite and try to do it at a very large scale. Um, and just because something hasn't been done before, or someone tells you that can't be done, then, you know, there's even more of a reason to do it. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the big lessons
0: yeah that's that's a great point great point to to do it intensely and then to to go against what people say that's that's a great way to to go around things because then of course so many unexpected situations happen mm-hmm. um so uh also i wanted to to uh ask you you know if maybe you want to add something and um yeah uh, uh-huh
1: yeah of course i mean one of the things that you know, you obviously you you've kind of helped me get into Stanford and, and obviously um, have helped a lot of students get into your top universities. But one of the things that I've kind of has been on my mind recently and I actually had a very interesting conversation about this, is kind of there's quite a stigma surrounding these elite universities, like you know, Stanford, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, whatever. Um, like their their name carries a lot of weight, right? But one of the things that I was thinking about um, recently um, you know, me and my my co-founder have been hiring quite a few people and, you know, whenever we look at a resume or whenever we interview someone, it's, it tends to be kind of like the last thing I see Um, and more, I just want to see how people have been able to, you know, do what what they've done. And, and that thing, you know, I, I, I can ask you a question, which is, Say you have two candidates for a job. Say you have one person that went to Stanford and got a, you know, uh, I don't know, 3.8 GPA, uh, which is way higher than, than mine is, but say it's a 3.8 GPA from Stanford. And then the other person comes in and says, you know, I never got a degree from Stanford, but I went and Took every single online course that was offered at Stanford over the last four years, and say that you know these two people have achieved the exact same sort of curriculum, have accomplished every single every single one of the classes, um, but one person has the degree and the other doesn't. Which one would you rather hire?
0: Ha, that's a very good question. Oh. Probably I would hire the person that took all the online courses because it was a much bigger effort than just being at a campus and having it all there, like on exactly. a silver platter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, that, if you feel the same way.
1: Exactly, that was one of our big sort of realizations is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's less about sort of just the fact that you got into university like proves, you know, like little to nothing about you. It just, kind of in a way means, you know, you studied hard for the SAT and maybe you did a few extracurriculars here and there at high school and, you know, and then you, you kind of got lucky and, and got into the university of your dreams, which is, you know, wonderful for you. And then, you know, hopefully that person has had a wonderful four years, but the reality is a lot of the people that we see as being successful end up being people that have taken a very difficult or very kind of different route if and if you look at it like the the percentage of people that are sort of ceos on the fortune 500 list um the proportion of people that are dyslexic on that list and the proportion of people that are dyslexic on the human population i don't know what the ratio is exactly but it's something like 10 times it's it's huge um and a lot of the reason why that comes to be is because these people have have been forced to take a very different route, right? Because you can't go, or at least it's very difficult to go through the, the sort of typical institutional education that a lot of people do. Um, and it's just a very interesting thought, right? Because we normally think of dyslexia as being a disability or, or you know, a, a learning disability in any form is considered to be something that kind of goes against you where However, we've seen time and time again, that sometimes that, that actually helps people being successful because it's allowed them and has sort of forced them to take a different route. It's kind of like the Stanford example with the online classes, it's, it's very similar. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this different route and the sort of different kind of weight that the name of the university holds.
0: Uh- Actually, I I tend to agree with you whenever I've had many students who are dyslexic or who have ADD or ADHD, and I have always told them that they are the world changers, the the life changers. They are the ones who are bringing in all the new information. They're the ones who are going to make us change because they are, as you said, looking at the world, having to look at the world in a different way. And they see it anyway. They don't only have to, they see it. You talk to somebody mm-hmm. who has dyslexia. And you talk to somebody who has ADD or ADHD or any of these that they call, you know, learning disabilities. Which I don't consider them learning disabilities. It's just that our system has mm-hmm. not consider caught up some. with them, yep. yeah, and hasn't caught up with them and hasn't created a curriculum for them to be able to shine, you exactly. know. And and I I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I mean these. Uh, And and I can understand why the CEOs, many of them are are dyslexic because they figure things out. They solve problems in a way that nobody else can see or very few people can see. Mm -hmm. And and I have had oftentimes a difficult uh, time convincing my students that Mm -hmm. have learning disabilities, that they don't have a learning disability. They have a learning ability.
1: Exactly. I agree. I I think one of the main problems is the way that that we, we call these, you know, again, I, I wouldn't even call conditions, just almost like it's almost ways of thinking, right? It's, exactly. It's, it's not whether you have the ability to do X or Y or not. It's about how you go about it. Um, and I, and I a hundred percent agree. I think, you know, it's kind of, again, the same, it I think it all goes back to the same thing that we were talking about, which is people tend to see success as a checklist. As things you have to do, things you have to be, in order to then be successful and be happy, and you know, yeah. I, I think yeah. I think the, the the most powerful thing that someone can come to realize it in their life is that it doesn't have to be that way. It's kind of the same thing where people think, you know, that that money brings you happiness. I I disagree. Um, I think, you know, in a way like, when you really look at life and you kind of look at what you've accomplished in life what you kind of you know obviously it's kind of a morbid example but what you take to the grave are, are sort of your experiences right and the people that you have around you and at the end of the day all that we can really do and can really have an impact on is other people's lives so why kind of be infatuated with our own personal wealth while we have you know typically a, age, the typical lifespan is, I don't know, 80-something years. Well, you know, you have 80 years to, to change people's lives, and why not do that if, at the end of the day, that is, you know, 9.9 out of 10 times what brings people real joy.
0: Yes, I agree with you there 100%, and I think that, um, uh, you know, this is what your whole life seems to have been about, and it seems like that's the, where you're going towards, is to help people change their lives or improve their lives or learn something that will make them happen. That's, that's a, a wonderful uh, goal to have. And uh, sort of to to bring it to an end, do you want to talk about any other things that maybe I haven't brought up or is something you want to talk about?
1: Um, well, you know, one of the things that kind of you asked me that I would like to ask you is, you know, mm-hmm. what do, what do you think is going to happen with education in the future? Where, where do you think, um, you know, the world is headed in this sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you for asking me when you're, you're the guest. But anyway, yeah. since you're asking. <laughs> um, I, I, I tend to agree with what you answered to the, to the question is that uh, education has to change because the world is changing. Uh, the uh, pressures that we have are very different uh, we are a globalized planet uh, and we need to come up with solutions for people, not for governments, not for institutions, not for, you know, whatever. It needs to be for people. And yeah. and that's where education has to go. And mm-hmm. then to be a lot more personalized, as, as you yourself mentioned, I, I totally agree with you, that it can't just be, you know, you have to take so many credits to then be able to have a, a major and then be able to go into you know, X Y Z company, and therefore you're successful. That's not what success is. Maybe for some people, maybe it's if they're happy for a couple of years, but that's not it. And and I think you're right on saying, you know, we need to to help people to realize who they are and what they want, and help them get there and do mm-hmm. that. You know, I uh, definitely that's where I see education going and I everything. I mean, There's... companies, everything.
1: Mm-hmm. No, totally, I, I agree. There's a couple of Studies that have actually been done that were, I think, very eye-opening for me. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them curiously like revolved around Harvard, and one of them—and definitely stop me if, if we're running out of time—but I do. Yeah, no, we just have of,
0: time for this. Yeah, we have okay, time for first. this, and then and then we're done, we're great.
1: So the, there's these two studies, right? One of them, or one of them isn't actually a study; it's more of a, a realization from um, Harvard MBA when she went to um, her school's, I think it was like 25 year reunion um, of the MBA class of, I don't know if it was like 1993 or something. Um, and she kind of just looked at everyone and, 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 you know, really asked them questions about their happiness and about where their life had gone and people it seemed to be that, you know, obviously, you go to Harvard MBA, you, you kind of want to make a lot of money, right? Like that's kind of what people want to do. And so she went back and kind of asked everyone, you know, like, how are you? Like, are you happy? Uh, have you achieved what you wanted to do? And she realized that the people that had made kind of the most money ended up kind of being the most depressed. Um, whereas people that kind of followed what they wanted to do ended up being very happy. And she kind of kept on with the study for a couple of years. And once she asked um, a janitor in a hospital the exact same thing. She, She said, you know, she asked them, you know, why are you happy with what you do? And the janitor replied, it's not about what a do in a day. It's about the purpose of what I do and the purpose of my life in respect of my surroundings. And, you know, she was kind of awestruck by this and said, what do you mean? I mean, you know, don't you just clean like people's rooms? Um, and funnily enough, she was in sort of the, the coma department, right? Like she would clean people's rooms that were in a coma. And she said, well, yeah in a way i do that you know that is kind of my job description but in reality i put more purpose in that and she asked how well what do you mean she says well every time i come into the room you know i try to say hi to these people because i feel like deep down they can hear me and i also like change the pictures or i you know bring them flowers or i kind of try to brighten up their day and it's all it's all kind of goes back to that same point it's about being happy and about finding the purpose in your life no matter what you're doing um yes that's that's
0: yeah uh yeah go ahead sorry
1: oh sorry yeah i was just gonna say i think that's that's very powerful
0: very powerful. very powerful story that's that's very interesting and what was the other one that you mentioned also that there were two things that yeah two studies
1: the other one was also kind of related to harvard it was I think it holds the record for the longest social study ever conducted. Um, Started in the 1930s, I have not, no, sorry, apologies. 1945, started 1945, right after the war ended. And Mm -hmm. what they did is they took um, 200 people and 100 of those were incoming um, freshmen in Harvard. And the other 100 people um, were just kids around the same age um on the surrounding sort of area of Cambridge, which at the time was was actually, you know, not a super wealthy region. And and they followed them and, you know, they they asked them every single year for the rest of their life, you know, how are you doing? And then they asked it very deeply. And people answered and, you know, they studied their their, you know, husbands or wives, they studied their children, they studied their friends, they they kind of studied their lives for, you know, 70, 80, whatever years. And they kind of, you know, it was a very interesting, like an eclectic mix of people. I know there was, there was even a president of the United States that came from this, from this group. Um, I don't remember which one, but they kind of came to the Israelization where there is actually sort of a negative correlation between kind of the amount of money you make to, to your happiness. And the reason why was because there was a positive correlation to the amount of money you make to how socially, Um, isolated you are and what they realized was you kind of in order to be able to be truly happy what kind of gives us humans the deepest sense of happiness is having incredibly deep personal connections with people and by that I don't mean having you know 10,000 friends I more mean having one or two people that you can rely on when the going gets really tough and you would actually see that people that had such a partner in life, maybe not, that doesn't necessarily have to be romantic whenever they would get sick or, you know, the going would get tough, their moods would stay at the same level they were at before they got sick or whatever happened or even improved. Whereas people that didn't have that actually kind of went into a depression, which then obviously negatively affected their health, which then reduced their lifespan. So, Lifespan and happiness are both positively correlated to the deepness of emotional connections that you have with people close to you, which I think is incredibly interesting because the one thing that we're taught in 21 years of education, at least I've been taught in 21 years of education, is that money is everything, money is all, and career success is everything, career success is all, whereas you're not taught the effects that emotional connection has on your life.
0: Wow, that is a fascinating study and a fascinating conclusion. And um thank you very much for all, all of this information. Of course, a I know bit, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, I'm a little bit like going, ah, you know, and but I'm I'm very, very happy and very grateful and, and thank you so much Andres for, for being my guest. And of course it's been a, a a fabulous learning experience for me. I hope it's been, you know, uh pleasant for you too of course
1: it's been my pleasure
0: okay so okay. i'll see you soon
1: all right diana um okay. let's catch up soon and, and anything yes. you need you know feel free to okay
0: to call. all right bye 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 bye